This is Saturday morning, February 9th, 2019 in Spokane, Washington. This is the second of four messages of a weekend conference with Brother Ricky Acosta. There is no outline or verses ahead of this message. Actually, a year and one week. Uh, I think some of you were here because some of the faces are a little bit familiar. I do know you. You're Sandra, right? Yes. Sandra. Right. Adeline and I are friends already. Were you here last time? No, but your name is Zoe. Yeah. Beth. Yes? Were you here last time? Yeah. Your face is a little bit familiar. Second row. I have a few friends in the second row. Yeah. Over here, though. Over here. Let me see. You look familiar. Were you here last year? Oh, you just have one of those faces. Those familiar faces. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't. Hi. Hi. I don't think he was. He? She? Name? Was not here last year. Was not here last year. <clears throat> anyway, for, for those of you that were here last year, um, I, I think most of the time I just gave you my testimony of. Uh, how I got saved when I was actually a little boy. I was just seven years old. I don't remember if I gave you my experience after I got baptized uh, about the Christmas play. I don't know if I told you that part. Can I tell you about that part? It's okay if you don't remember. I forgive you. I forgive you. I don't remember most of the things the brothers say either. Yeah. But uh, I did say that about the Christmas play. Sorry, quote-unquote Christmas play. That is actually the night I consecrated my life to Jesus um, when I was 12 and a half. <clears throat> and I think I told you a little bit about when I came to the church, when I came to the church life, when I was 14. Um, but um, anyway, the brothers set up this, these meetings kind of in the same pattern or schedule that we had last year. And they told me that Saturday morning I'd be speaking to the young people, like Brother Jack and the different ones here, all the young people. But I was told it's been expanded. It's been expanded this time. Um, but mostly to the young people. And uh, so, I, so uh, I have to confess I'm, I'm less scared than I was last year. Last year I was terrified. I was terrified that I got to talk to all the young people that I don't know. I know, I know that you all know Brother Willie. And, and so I figured, why don't we just have him talk? But anyway, I know that I had to do it, but, 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 uh, but because we're friends now, we're friends now, right? So it's, it's, less, it's less scary. It's less scary. <clears throat> but I thought that, uh, anyway, I was praying for, for, for what to talk to you about, and um, I have a lot of feeling about this one thing. I really want to tell you the testimony, not my testimony, but the testimony of somebody in the Bible, and uh, that's uh, King David. You know the name David? You know David in the Bible? David. Um, what do you know about David in the Bible? What's the, what's, what comes to mind when we mention David's story? King David. Maybe the greatest king. Right. Right. Maybe the greatest. Oh, yes. Yes. David, that, that, the New Testament starts calling Jesus... Son of David. 
son of David. So certainly, yeah. What else? What comes to mind, David? Goliath. Goliath. Actually, I thought that's what you were going to say first, but you kind of surprised me there. David. Anything else about David? Anything else? No, no, no sorries. No sorries. Necessary. Anything else about David? Rachel has one. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Sheep. Sheep. David took care of sheep. Anything else about David? He was a shepherd. Actually, Rachel, you know, probably, probably the most famous verse in the Bible is a verse written by David about sheep. Did you know that? You didn't know that. You might learn something this morning. Yeah. And, and that's where, actually, actually, he's referring, David refers to himself as a sheep. And I'm going to talk about the background of that, of that, that verse. That's Psalm 23. And verse 1, that starts, the, what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the King James. Or Curvy Version says, I shall not lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd. Why do you think he wrote a verse like that? Why do, you think, why do you think he thought about, you know, the Psalms, and, and we're going to look at a bunch of Psalms today. I hope you have your Bible ready. And if you don't, I hope around you people could supply you with a Bible. But even if you don't have one, it's okay. We have enough among us to, to uh, we'll read it to you. But <clears throat> we're, going to, we're going to see, da- when we first meet David, when we first meet David, which, which is actually in, in the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 16, when we first meet David, he's shepherding sheep. He's shepherding sheep. He was probably about 15. Are you fif- you're 15, right? 15. He was probably about 15 years old, and he was shepherding sheep. And from the story that you pick up, he may have spent more time with the sheep than with his family. And so he was so used to being with sheep, and I, and, I want, and I want to show you a couple of the things he wrote in the Bible, that it gives you the impression, I don't know 100% for sure, but I'm pretty sure, that he wrote those psalms. And remember, psalms are poems. Psalms are songs. And when you write a song... It, a lot, lots of times, it's out of an experience. I haven't written that many songs in my life, but I've written three mainly, three songs. <clears throat> Other little ones here and there, but three kind of longer songs. And, and they all came out of an experience. And, and the Psalms are David's experiences. Actually, not all the Psalms. You know, the Psalms... Do you know how many psalms there are? Do you know how many psalms? Anybody know? Some ha- somebody has to know. Huh? 150. 150. Is that right? 150? Yeah, 150. 150. 150. There are 150 psalms in the Bible. 
but more than half were written by David. David. So, another thing we know about David, if you read his story, is that he was musical. And he played not the guitar, ukulele, he played the lyre. That's a good lyre. <laughs> right? L-Y-R-E. You shouldn't be an L-I-A-R, but it's okay to play the L-Y-R-E, right? So he played a, a liar. And um, I believe that David one day was in whatever you call it, the pasture, the meadow. He was outside with the sheep. And he was musical and actually quite sensitive. You know, many people who are musical are emotional. And so they are, when I say emotional, I don't mean that in a, you know, all the time. Like, well, I better not say it. Yeah, I was going to say like some among us, but actually I, I don't know that whether, yeah, in my place I can say it. But I don't know you all well enough to say that. But I don't mean emotional, although, although, David, one, in at least one of his songs, psalms, talks about crying. Talks about weeping. And he even says, Lord, you, you take all my tears and put them in a bottle. That's very uh, poetic. You take all my tears and put them in a bottle. You know, you know Adeline? Adeline or Ad- Lynn? Like L-Y-N. Yeah. Is it spelled L-Y-N? Yeah. Okay, good. That's how I named my daughter. Else it's, people would call her Emmeline, but it's Emma Lynn, L-Y-N, Adeline. Did you know God has all your tears? Oh, actually, I should check. Have you ever shed tears? Yes. yes. Okay. Your tears, God keeps them in a bottle. That means... That means They mean something to him. You know, to other people, they may not mean anything. Some people, you cry, they might might tell you, oh, suck it up. (laughs) But God doesn't do that. When you shed the tears, God God comes to you, or comes to you, not with a glass, but with a bottle. Yeah. He... It's like he, he collects them. He treasures them. And how do we know that? Because of David. So one day, I think David was outside with sheep. And he realized, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm their shepherd. But you're my shepherd. They need, they're, they're really dumb. You know, sheep are dumb. They have this characteristic. I'm a city boy. I, don't know, I don't, really don't know that much about sheep firsthand. But I learned a little bit. And one day I was in... Um, did I tell you this story? I was in Australia. I was in, uh, just outside of Sydney at a camp. We were conducting the Summer School of Truth at that place. And uh, at this Christian camp, they had a prayer uh, chapel, a tower thing. So I went up there in the early in the morning. There's nobody around. And 
And in the, it's, it was a circular building, circular building. So you walk in, and all you see is door, 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 all the way around. And when you go in, each door led to a room, a tiny room. And, and it was out, like, like the angled out. And all that was there was a chair and the window. So everybody could just have a private place to pray. That'd be cool to build in a meeting hall. Prayer, prayer rooms, private prayer rooms. And so I took one of the rooms, and I sat there. And uh, I don't remember if I sat in, or knelt there. And I was looking out the window. And then, all of a sudden, a flock of sheep come. And they stop. And they start eating. And they're eating and eating and eating. And then, after some time, they all picked up and they left. And the window's not that wide, so I couldn't see where they, where they went. Except for one. The one stayed there. <laughs> and I found out, if the shepherd doesn't call the, you know, hurt the sheep a little bit, that sheep will just keep eating into the dirt. <laughs> They're really dumb. That's what I, that's what I heard. Yeah. I don't want to offend anyone who's an expert shepherd here. I don't know if you have expert shepherds here, but they may know more than I. But anyway, that's what I was told. But this sheep was like this. And then, and then I don't know what caught its attention, but it looked up, like this, and then and noticed that he noticed that he was alone, so he, he went and caught up. He went and caught up. <clears throat> So David knew sheep. He must have said, you know, Lord, if I didn't have you as my shepherd, I'd be lost. So he wrote a song. We don't know the tune of that he wrote. He, must have, he probably wrote a tune. We have a song, right? The Lord is my shepherd forever. He maketh me down to lie. But that wasn't his tune because those are different words. But anyway, David had his tune. Maybe when we see him in the kingdom, or if we catch up in the New Jerusalem, you, we'll, we'll be able. David, could you please sing us? Sing, sing Psalm twenty-three. We've been waiting for for centuries. Could you please please tell us? Please sing it. Sing it. But he had experiences like that. He had experiences like that. I want, I want us to read two verses about David in the New Testament. In the New Testament. Uh, and then I want to go to the Old Testament. In the New Testament, let's read Psalm, I'm sorry, Acts, thir- uh, Acts 13, uh, 22, and then 36. 22 and 36. Do we have it? Whoever has it. Let's read. But let's read it understanding that not everybody has a Bible and and is seeing it. So please let us read as clear as possible, as clearly as possible. Okay? Okay, go. 22. 
This is the Lord, Jehovah, speaking to Samuel. Samuel the, the prophet. Samuel had anointed the first king of Israel, bad king, Saul. He really, he really failed in his responsibility, Saul. And then, then it says, and when he, God, had deposed him, that means God was the one who overthrew him. He raised up David for them as king, to whom he testified. Imagine God testifying on your behalf. I found you. Put your name in there. I found a person according to my heart. Wow, for God to say that about you. That means a lot. For God to say that you are a person who is according to his own heart. You know God's heart. How can you know God's heart? It's incredible that a human being can actually know the heart of God. How can a creature know the heart of the Creator? Unless the Creator wants you to know his heart. Actually, the Creator created us, mankind, wanting every human being to know his heart. And he created us in the way that we can, but most people don't even want to. Of course, lots of people don't even believe in him. Forget them. Then the ones who believe in him, many don't care. Even among the Lord's children, there are some people who only care for their own heart. Who are only, they treat God like Santa Claus. They treat God like the genie. You know the genie in Aladdin? The genie? You know the genie. With the, with the lamp and, the, and your three wishes. And you, 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 know, you rub the lamp. Genie comes out. Yes, my master. And then you tell him, I want this. I want that. And I want the other thing. You know, people treat God that way. When I need him, when I need him, where's my lamp? No, you don't say lamp. You don't get your lamp. You get your Bible. Well, where, where, where's my... Oh, let me go to the meeting. So I can ask... So I can tell God what I want. That's not a person according to God's heart. Who will do all his will. Who will do all his will. But, but in that generation, he found one person. God, God is even satisfied to find one person in a generation that is according to his heart. One person. And even if it's a boy, it's just a boy. It's just a boy. This makes God very happy. If he had one boy, 15 years old, who would be according to his heart? That's a great thing to God. And he found it in that generation. Now look at verse 36. Verse 36. Okay, whoever has that, please read. Go. David, 
served his generation by the counsel of God. That means according to God's intention and will and purpose. He served his generation. My young people, I don't know if you realize, no matter how young you are, you could have an impact on your generation. Actually, one person can have an impact on their generation. And imagine if the Lord could gain just a group of you together. What kind of impact could you have on this generation? So my interest in David began when I was 12 years old. Because, uh, and I think I, those of you who were here last year, I, I gave this part of the testimony. <clears throat> when I was 12, just after my 12th birthday, I got baptized. And uh, when I got baptized, my sister, um, who's 10 years older than I, she gave me a Bible. She and her husband gave me a Bible as a gift. I still have, it's not this Bible. I still have that Bible. It's a King James Version Bible. I don't use it these days because it's worn and it's kind of fallen apart. But I I will not get rid of that Bible. The Bible's in my study at, at home. And in, and in, in the beginning, at one page at the beginning, she wrote a kind of dedication. And the dedication, we're going to read that later, it was from Psalm 100, 119, verses 9 through 11. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word? And that's 9. Then verse 11 says, Thy word have I hidden, in my heart. My word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Yeah. So, I don't know exactly why or how, but because of that dedication, I got uh, so- something sparked in me and I just, uh, I just liked reading the Bible. So I just started reading. And especially, I, I love to read Psalms. And so, I would read through, and then I realized, oh, wow, David wrote most of these, and, uh, or a lot of these. And, and I started learning things about David's relationship with God. And those things really helped me in the beginning of my Christian life. And I believe that if you would look at David's life, it would help you very much to know how to talk to God, how to apply God to your life, how to pray, and, and how to even know what God wants. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'd like to, as kind of example, I'd like to, if you, if you could, Again, if you have your Bible, open to Psalm, to the first Psalm. Open to the first Psalm. And I'd like to go through with you um, to, to kind of uh, set up a little pattern of study for you. And uh, if the serving saints later on would like to do this, you, 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 could, you could continue this kind of study uh, of looking at all the Psalms written by David and to read through and 
you get through these psalms a kind of a little window into the life of David and into things that, are, that do not appear in 1 Samuel. You get a kind of background story. Background story. And you will see, and uh, let's see, uh, the first one is Psalm 3. Look at Psalm 3. And before verse 1, there's a little writing. Do you see that? Yeah, before, before the first verse, before the first verse. It says Psalm 3, and before the first verse, there's a little writing. Could you, let's read that together. Okay, go. Not, not all the time, even not most of the time, but sometimes there's a little blurb there and it explains to you a little of the background. A little of the background. He wrote this when he was fleeing from his... Oh my goodness. Fleeing from his son. What is that about? He had a son that wanted to kill him. What happened? Can you imagine such a story? And when he was, when he was running away, then they, they, we're going to read something else about him running away from Saul, from King Saul. That story is really in, in, in the book of 1 Samuel explained a lot. But this is what he wrote. Oh, look at this. While he was running away from Saul, so, sorry, Absalom, his son, he said, what? Jehovah, how many are my adversaries. You know, he didn't use the word enemies. Do you know the difference between an enemy and an adversary? An adversary is, you could say, a traitor. An enemy on the inside. When there's an enemy attacking you from outside, that's an enemy. But if one of your friends turns on you and betrays you, that's an adversary. Have, have you ever had any adversaries? People that you thought were your friends and then they stabbed you in the back, talked bad about you. So we all have some adversaries. Many are those who rise up against me. Two, many are those who say of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Jehovah, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Can you imagine at such a time? He's running for his life. And it has like a, he complains to God, how many, oh God, oh God, I have so many adversaries, like everybody is against me. Have you ever said that to, to the Lord? Lord, why is everything against me? Everybody and everything is against me. It's okay to talk to God like that. And then as you're talking to him, you might realize, but Lord, you're my shield. You're my shield. You're my glory. You're my glory. And you're, you're the one who lifts up my head. Ben, could you, could you help me with something? Thanks. Just a little illustration. This won't be too hard. Okay. When, when we get sad, how does our head usually go? Right, right, like that. Right, we're good. Yeah. So at this time, 
Stay down, stay down. <laughs> your son's trying to kill you. You're David, and your son's trying to kill you. Oh, you're really sad. Yeah. And, and it says, the Lord is the one who does what? Lifts up my head. Sad, sad. Lift up. Oh, smile. Yeah, God does that. Thanks, Dan. And there's a song. I, do you know this song? Do you know this song? I, I learned this when I was in elementary school. My glory and the lifter of my head. That's King James. My glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. My glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill. My glory and the lifter of my head. I can't go higher. My glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. My glory and the lifter of my head. I learned that when I was like eight or nine years old. In verse 4 it says, With my voice I called out to Jehovah, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for Jehovah sustains me. Can you imagine David? He's fleeing from his son, and he gets encouraged. And so with encouragement, Lord, you lift up my head. You're with me. Even in this down situation, I just can talk to you. And you can... Have you ever experienced the Lord lifting up your head? Encouraging you? Very good. Just talk to him. And then he was, he was so at peace that he could fall asleep. You know, when we're troubled, it's hard to sleep. But, but he fell asleep. And then... And then he awoke. Don't you think that when he awoke, he looked around? Are we okay? Because he remembered, Absalom's still after me. So he, he woke up. But then what? Oh, oh, Jehovah sustains me. Still okay. I can go back to sleep. You see, just, just from a few verses, you pick up, what, the background? You pick up the fact that David had a life of suffering. You pick up the fact that in his suffering, he knew how to talk to God. And that God was very real to him, even in those situations. And he experienced God as his shield, as his glory, and as the one who lifts up his head. All of us, sooner or later, need to experience the Lord as the lifter of our head. And that doesn't stop when you finish being a teenager. When you get older, you go through other things. And sometimes, sometimes as you get older, the things are even more serious. And we all need God to be our glory, our shield, and the one who lifts up our head. But to do that, to do that, to, to experience that, I mean, to experience that, I want to encourage you, always talk to the Lord and talk to him about everything. 
And really, you can tell him anything. You can tell him anything. You know, you know when we pray together, and, uh, you know, we, ha- we have different styles of praying. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a denomination with the Brethren Assemblies. Brethren Assemblies. Though the, our meetings were very quiet. Very quiet. And very proper. Very proper. So I learned to pray in a certain way. Then I came to the church. Everybody said, Amen! <laughs> amen! Amen, Lord! And praise, and somebody's praying, and Amen! And then we throw in, Yes! Yes! I don't know what that's about, but yes, yes, amen. Or we say, that's right. Sorry, that's right. Actually, amen means all those things. Found out later. That's right. There, there you said it again. You said it again. It just slips out. So, amen. And so, so, you know, I was in my first meeting and somebody prayed and over here they, amen. I was like, amen. I was like bothered. I said, what, what, what is this? Because I'm used to, you pray the whole prayer. We're not done yet. You pray the whole prayer. And then everybody says, Amen. That's what I was used to. But we have our ways of praying. So here we pray different. We pray different. So different. And I found out different Christians pray a little different. That's okay. That's okay. But if you only pray to the Lord the way you pray in the meetings you're going to miss out on a lot. That's right. (laughs) Yes. You have to pray your way. Your way. And you have to talk to the Lord your way. Don't, don't, don't create don't, don't allow yourself to have a concept that you only have to pray the way we pray together in the meetings. So I want to tell you, just be simple. Just be genuine. Just be real. Just be you when you talk to the Lord. Yeah. I want to come back to Psalm 3. Actually, we're going to go to Psalm the next Psalm 4, but I want to jump. I want to jump to 55. Go to Psalm 55, and then we'll come back. Psalm 55. Does anyone have the King James Version here with them? No? King James? Yeah, oh, you do. Okay. Could you read Psalm, could you read verse 17? 17. So Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Yeah, so this is, and I grew up with, evening and morning and noon will I pray. Evening, morning, noon. So I, I was taught when I was a kid, that we should pray three times a day. Evening, morning, noon. Okay. Then we got the recovery version, which is actually more accurate according to the original language. What does it say? Evening and morning and noon. What? 
I complain and moan. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Isn't that great? The Bible says evening, morning, noon. Who wrote it? Who wrote this? Go back to the beginning, to verse 1, before verse 1. To the choir director in the string instruments, a what? Mashiel of David. David wrote this. Evening, complain. Morning, complain. Noon, complain. Does it sound familiar? The problem is that often we complain to people. The wives complain to the husbands. The husbands, be smart, just shut up. (laughs) But sometimes the husbands complain to the wives or to their co-workers or to the brothers. The the, The secret is your first complaint should be to God. That's the secret of a happy life. It's okay to complain. But the first one you should complain to is the Lord. Lord, it's too cold. Lord, uh, why? Why snow this weekend? Lord, why? I'm not happy with this. Lord, whatever. Tell him first. Tell him first. Okay. I love that verse. Okay, back to Psalm 3. Then we go to Psalm 5. Look at Psalm 5. To the choir director for the wind instruments. Oh, not the lyre. These are wind instruments. A Psalm of David. To my words, give ear, O Jehovah. Consider my moaning. David was a moaner. A complainer and a moaner. Give heed to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Jehovah, let's read three together. O Jehovah, in the morning you will hear my voice. In the morning I will set forth my word in order to you, and I will watch. So David found this secret. The first one to talk to every day should be the Lord. In the morning, you'll hear my voice. In the morning. God wants to hear your voice in the morning. He, he'll take it when you talk to him in the afternoon and in the evening, but he really wants to hear your voice in the morning. You know, you honor the Lord if the first one who hears your voice is him every day, no matter what. No matter what. The first one that should hear your voice should be him. I like to get up early and not talk to my wife and that the first one that hears my voice is the Lord. That's been my practice for all the years. I like the Lord to hear my voice first. I know I don't have a good voice. You know those CDs, the new NYC, what is it? YPCDs. 
where somebody talked to me about that last night that they they're they're listening to that and when I travel here and there very often I get picked up at the airport we get in the car and oh, let's see these are playing there my daughters are on there and my sons-in-law now are sing there you know we produced them in New York I never got invited to one singing session. <laughs> so it's fine, fine. They don't want to hear my voice. But according to Psalm 5.3, the Lord likes to hear my voice. In the morning. Look at Psalm 8. Let's go to Psalm 8. To the choir director. On the what? Giddeth. I don't know what these things are. A psalm of David. These are different instruments. Different instruments. Let's read verses 1 and 2 together. O Jehovah, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, You have established strength because of your adversaries to stop. And then look at look at this. He says, When I see the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, doesn't mention the sun, which you have ordained. What is mortal man? What is mortal man? that you remember him, and the Son of Man, that you visit him. So, I'm picturing that David was out with the sheep at nighttime, lying there, looking at the heavens. Looking at the heavens. Yeah, our, 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 our hymn talks about the sun, the moon. It's wrong. We have a hymn. What is it? 1097, yeah, 1090, yeah, one of those, seven, eight, or nine. And it says, the sun, the moon, and all that's it's wrong. We should, we should correct that. So um, he's looking up, and can you imagine, not like today when we have street lights in all the cities and whatever, and you can't see. That's, that's, the, that's the heavens that I grew up with in New York City. And I still remember, I still remember one time when I was, uh, uh, in junior high school, uh, I was thir- yeah thirteen. I was in eighth grade, and and I was a uh, a helper at a Christian camp. I was uh, actually in in the kitchen, and uh, and uh, oh did did I tell you this story about sneaking out of the camp? No, no, no. Okay, so so uh, anyway, so so my cousin, my cousin, he was like the ringleader of all the young people. My cousin. And uh, he was 17. And, and so they were counselors. I wasn't qualified to be a counselor yet because I was only 13. But I was in the kitchen. And so this is in upstate New York. And so the, counts, not the, 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 the counselors, so the, you know, the serving ones, because this was a kid's camp. It was a kid's camp for ages like 8 to 13. And, um, and so the, count, the serving ones came up with a plot, a plan to... Sneak out after dark. Put the kids to sleep. When the older serving ones go to sleep, then they snuck out. 
And my cousin told me, so I went with them. So there was, I don't know, five. Uh, uh, um, I hope, don't, don't take notes. <laughs> don't do this. At, where, where is it that you go, camp, that camp north of here? Camp Camby, yeah, don't do this at Camp Camby. Don't do this. But anyway, they snuck out, and, you know, so I went with them. And we went for a, we went for a walk. And what they wanted to do was go over it because they knew that there was a girls' camp going on. I know. You know, somewhere. They didn't know how far it was. Turns out it was like 14 miles away. <laughs> so they wanted to walk over there. Not me. I was just a tag-along. It wasn't my idea. I was going along. And they wanted to go, yeah. And so, anyway, they, so the, we ended up walking like two miles and went into town. And we went into a soda fountain, a store and had some, you know, um, milkshakes and whatever. And, and then we went walking to find that camp. We walked for about five miles. <clears throat> then we decided to turn around and come back and... We got stopped by the state patrol and whole, anyway. So, yeah, we got in a lot of trouble when we got the next morning. That's not my point. My point is the heavens. My point is that night, I, I'd, I'd never seen anything so beautiful in my whole life. The stars. I, I, I mean, I'd been to the Hayden Planetarium in New York, New York City. This was cooler than the planetarium. This was real. And from horizon to horizon, I, n- I just could not imagine that there could be so many stars. You only see the stars on TV, like, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek. But this was real. I couldn't, I could, and, and it drew something out of me. Like, oh God, you are amazing. You're just amazing. And how, how could you really, and this psalm came to us, but really, how could you make all that and then care for me? It's amazing. And, the, and I just imagine David lying there and saying, what is man that you think about him? And the son of man that you visit him. He visited us. He came to this earth and lived on the same soil that we stand on. God came as a man. That's incredible. Of course, he hadn't done that by David's time. But David was feeling so small. So my point is, David had experiences just like we do. Just like we do. There are many others that we could look at. That, and anyway, this is just a little exercise. Serving saints. You could go through and guide the young people. Or young people, just read. And you learn a lot. You learn a lot. David's story, I want to tell you maybe three or four things about David's story that we see from 1 Samuel. David's story begins in, David's story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And there we see that he is the youngest of, anybody know? Eight. Eight, eight boys. And King Saul, God, God tells King Saul, uh, sorry, Samuel, God tells Samuel, I, I, I am going to anoint a king out of that house, Jesse's house. So Samuel shows up, and Jesse is actually quite afraid of him, and, and asks him, did you come, did you come in, in, in peace? Because 
because he knows that Saul would be quite unhappy if he knew that, that Samuel showed up here. And especially to anoint another king while there's a king on the throne. Yeah. So he says, get your sons. And I don't know if you've ever read this story. He gets, he says, get all your, ch- your sons here. And he gets seven out of the eight. He gets seven. And then, and then he brings the first one. And, and uh, where, where is that? Eight. Yeah, okay. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass before Samuel. And Samuel said, Jehovah has not chosen this one. I, no, either, either. So there's somebody before him. Yeah, and when they came, he saw Eliab. And he said, surely Jehovah's anointed is now before him. Before him. That's Samuel. Samuel, verse 6. But Jehovah said to Samuel, do not regard his appearance and the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For it is not how man sees that matters, for man looks on the outward appearance, but Jehovah looks on the heart. One by one, God rejected them. God rejected them. And then, verse 11, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the young men you have? And Jesse said, They're still the youngest, but he's now tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He's coming to anoint One of your sons is king. Get your sons. How could you forget one of them? (laughs) Are any of you the youngest in your family? Any of you the youngest? Yeah? Yeah. Sometimes the youngest ones. Like, you get left out. I'm the youngest in my family. You just, like... People forget about you. So, I don't think David had a really happy family life. I don't think he had a real happy family. Then, oh, the most famous chapter about David is 17. Because that's where we see Goliath. And in the story of Goliath, actually, there's some, there's a, there are a lot of things here that you, could, that you can read that are I, I think people skip over. Jesse, well, three of the sons get into the army. And then Jesse sends David to bring provisions for them. But if you read this, you'll find out, oh, David was very special. It says that David made sure all the sheep were, sheep were secure before going to deliver the things. Why would the Bible bother to tell us that little detail? Because God was preparing David to take care not just of sheep, but of God's people. And that means that all the things in your daily life count. So young people, sorry for what I'm going to say, but the, the way you do your homework counts for God's economy later. 
The way you either make or don't make your bed counts for God's economy later. That's David. All the little things in his life. It's very interesting that God would highlight it in the Bible. It's it's the Bible. But he carried out the things of his daily life with diligence, with attention to detail. And God can use all those things in your life later. So anyway, he comes to deliver the things. And then uh, to, to the brothers, the brothers, when they see him, they're not like, oh, wow, great. Oh, David, hey, good to see you. Thanks. They're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You just want to escape your responsibility. Uh, they, they accuse him. And so then Goliath comes. You know, and Goliath was a Nephilim, right? Goliath was a mixture of the angelic race with the human race. It happened again somehow, we, right? We, this is the first kind of a, a um, yeah, from Genesis. God wiped it out in Noah's time, but there were people like that. And then it happened again, and the good land was filled with these kind of people. And the Philistines had a lot of them. And so Goliath comes. He's what, like nine feet and a span? He's tall. Nine, nine. And, and, and he comes. And, and basically this, the Philistines were against the Israelites. And, and, and he said, let's not fight. Let's not have a war. Let's just go. One of your warriors against me. Whoever wins, we... You just, the other side, surrender. Come on! And you come every day, every day. And then the, the Israelites, were, of course, they're all scared, including David's three brothers. But David, David hears this. And David's response is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who would dare defy the ranks of Jehovah? So he talks up like this. And word gets back to Saul. Saul said, bring him here. And so they have a little talk. And this is, I want, I want to read this part, this part with you. And uh, look, at, look at Samuel 17, verse 32. Okay, let's find that. 1 Samuel 17, 32. Okay, and let's read some of these verses. And David said, uh, David said, no, no, 31. And when the words that David spoke were heard, they were reported to Saul, and he had him brought. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him, fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. But Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war since his youth. And David, 34, said to Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I would go out after it and strike it and deliver the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I would seize it by its beard and strike it and kill it. (laughs) Both the lion and the bear did your servant strike. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he liked this nickname, will be like one of them, for he has defied the ranks of the living God. 
And David said, Jehovah, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and may Jehovah be with you. Now we think, whoa, he defeated a bear, a lion, like with his bare hands. What kind of a super kid was this? But actually... What the Bible is saying here is that this was not super. He was a shepherd. That's part of the job description. You don't want to fight lions and bears? Don't be a shepherd. Be a farmer. But if you're taking care of sheep, this is one of the risks. And, it's, and that bear took one of my sheep. That's my responsibility. So I'm, I'm going after it. Now, you know, we later, you know how he killed Goliath, right? Right? With the, what do you call that? Sling. Do you think that's the first time he swung a sling? No, of course not. Don't you think he had this experience and he was watching out and he would see maybe an animal come from a distance before taking the sheep, and you know, to get, get it away. So in his job, he must have practiced and practiced. And, and probably, when everything was fine, practice, practice, practice. So that practice paid off in his daily life. But the bear and the lion were all personal battles. All personal battles. Goliath was not a personal battle. Goliath was something that related to God's people. And young people, someday you will grow up to partake in God's economy that way. Where what you do counts in God's purpose. How do you learn to do that? You learn to do that wherever you are now. You learn to do that by winning the battles in your daily life, slaying those lions and bears until your Goliath will come. And Goliath will come. But you have to learn how to kill the lion and the bear in your life. And then it says, then it says in 38, And Saul put his own garment on David, and he placed a bronze helmet on his head and put his armor on him. And David girded his sword over his garment and tried to go, for he had not tried the armor. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go in these because I have not tried them. And David took them off. Then he took took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them into the shepherd's bag that he had that is in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Okay, we're at 41 now. So what happened? So uh, Saul said, okay, go. And then Saul gave him his armor. So, Ben, come back. Come back. Ben, if I remember correctly, you are 14 years old. Yes, you're 14. So you will be 15 very soon. Soon enough. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now Saul was a tall guy, right? Yeah. Brother Willie, could you stand up? Yeah. Suppose, suppose 
we took Brother Willie's armor that would fit him, and we would put his armor on you, on you. You don't have your coat here. Okay. Yeah. And his helmet. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Don't you think he'd be like, uh, no, I don't think I can use this armor. As, and then the thing is like this. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. you. You know what that means? That means that David could not fight with other people's experiences. David could not fight with the adult's experiences. He had to have his own experience. Young people, you, you, you can't just take your parents, serving ones' experiences. You have to go with your experiences of the Lord. The Lord has to be real to you. And that's enough to defeat Goliath. 41, and the Philistine came and approached David, and the man who bore the shield was before him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he scorned him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I think David was just loving this thing. Like, bring it on. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of heaven and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of Jehovah of hosts, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you have defied. On this day, Jehovah will deliver you up into my hand, and I will strike you and remove your head from you. I like this boy. You know this song? We have a song to this. Who knows this song? Who knows this song? Do you, do you, uh, oh, we lost our mom, uh, piano player. We could do it with that. We could do it with that. You have your ukulele? Did you bring the ukulele? Oh, it's downstairs. It's okay. But some of, there's a song. There's a song. It follows this verse. Verse 45. Right? Yeah. How, how does, uh, just the first verse. Come to me with a sword and a spear. I can't. Whom you defy, but on this day will deliver you into my hand. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Ready? We, we, we flubbed up the second line. Yeah, yeah. You come to me. With a sword and a spear, with a sword and a spear, I come to you in the name of the God of the ranks of Israel. And you defy, and on this day, on this day, Jehovah will deliver you into my hand, into my hand. <laughs> one last time, one last time. They almost got it, they almost got it. Ready? You come to me, you come to me with a sword and a spear, with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the grand of the ranks of Israel, whom you defy. 
thief. But on this day, but on this, Jehovah will deliver you into my, into my hand. <laughs> There's four verses. Verse four talks about him falling. Kaboom. Anyway, it's a good song. So David, of course, he got five smooth stones, put them into his pouch. And then he, he, right, he started there, he started there. Oh, Goliath must have been there. Boy, what are you doing? (laughs) And then, we don't know how many times, but David knew how many times to get it going. And then, and it hit him here. And then it sank into his forehead. And he... Now, listen to this. Hi, Christina. Glad to have you back. Amen. Um, Listen to this. I think that the first part of this was not a miracle. You know, sinking into his skull, that was a miracle. That was God. If I, if I have a sling with a rock and I, you know, fling it, maybe Mike is there. If it hits you, suppose, you know, if it hits you, it, could, it might, if it's big enough, you know, could crack your skull a little bit. And, but it'll bounce off. It's not going to sink into your skull. God did that. God did that part. But I do believe it was David's aim. Do you understand what I mean? It was David that, and his aim was pinpoint. If it was me, we'd need a miracle. (laughs) If it were me, I'd throw it, it, and the thing would go, and then God would bring it back. (laughs) Boom. But David... David got it here. That was the alley-oop. And God did the slam dunk. (laughs) Assist David. (laughs) Score, God. Defeated, Goliath. Do you understand my point? Practice. Practice. He practiced in daily life. What he learned in daily life, trusting in the Lord. And you read the Psalms and you find out he trusted God for everything. And that paid off for God's economy one day. But it was that practice in daily life. But then what happened was Goliath got defeated. Saul was the one who sent him. And then everybody has a big, eh, you know, is happy, of course. And then the people start singing, especially the women. And they say, oh, Saul defeats thousands, and David defeats tens of thousands. And Saul said, say what? (laughs) Wait a minute. And Saul started to get jealous. And then the rest of his life, he was 
after David. Even though David served him. David served him. Chapter 24. Look at chapter 24. Here's another story. David's fleeing from Saul a certain time. He had to flee for his life. He had to flee for his life. And then we have this story that David ends up with his men, and, and they end up in this cave called the Cave of Abdullam. Do you know this story? And then as Saul is chasing him, Saul actually ends up in the same cave, but it's a very deep cave, and David and his men are all the way in. And then he's here resting. He falls asleep. And Saul's men, they hear, stay quiet until they settle down. And Sorry, David's men come up in the cave and discover it's Saul. So they go back and report to David, David, now is your chance. The Lord has put him right in your hand. Just go. Slay him in his sleep. So this is the story in Samuel 24. And, and it says, verse 3, And he came to the sheepfolds along the way, and a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave, and David's men said to him, The day is here of which Jehovah said to you, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand. Do then to him according to what seems good in your sight. So David rose up and took off a corner of Saul's cloak without being noticed. But afterward, David's heart smote him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. And he said to his men, Jehovah forbid that I should do such a thing to my Lord, Jehovah's anointed, as stretch out my hand against him, for he is Jehovah's anointed. So, so he came up and with a knife to King Saul, who was really the king. God made him king. But David was anointed to be king. But while that king lived, he shouldn't do anything. And so he goes, and instead of killing him, he just cuts off a corner of his robe. And then in the next morning, nobody notices, the next morning as they're leaving, David is on the, other, like on the other side of a ravine and calls out, My Lord, my Lord. He says, Oh, David, I see you there. He says, Look, my Lord. He says, Your men should be fired. Look what I have here. I have this little piece. Look at your cloak. At your, yeah, look at your, look at your robe. And he would notice, oh, you were that close. You were that close. You could have killed me. You didn't do it. And, he, and Saul even felt bad about it. Because he realized David was not against him. But then soon after that, he chases David again. Oh, a lot of things to learn here. You know what this shows? David respected authority. David respected authority. If you want to be used by God as someone who can serve your generation, you have to respect authority. And you have to always obey your conscience. David didn't kill him. David just cut off a little part of the um, robe and had said it's like his heart smote him. It's like a knife went into David's heart. 
Who did that? God. You cut him, I cut you. You cut his robe, I cut your heart. David, why did you do that? Okay, you did a nice thing. You did a noble thing. You wouldn't kill him. You shouldn't even touch him. That's what God said. But you did. So you get the knife in your heart. This was preparing David to serve him, the Lord, later. And then we have another story. We won't spend too much time. But David, although he was a man after God's heart, he certainly was not perfect. David made mistakes. And David made one big mistake. One big mistake. And he did something immoral. He did something immoral. And he fell into a temptation. He fell into temptation. And the Bible, even though it calls David a man after God's heart, the Bible doesn't skip this part. The Bible puts it there as a warning. Oh, young brothers and sisters, your whole life, your whole life, there will always be temptations. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. You should never have the thought, oh, I'm, I'm stronger than that. I'm above that. You always have to avoid the temptation. Avoid the situation so that you don't fall into the temptation. Guard yourselves. David actually took another man's wife. Another man's wife. And she even became pregnant by him. So he couldn't hide it. He couldn't hide it. God allowed that. But that didn't cause God to give up on David. David, at first, you know, if you read the story, we we don't have the time, because I want to give you a few minutes to see if you want to share something. God God sent a prophet, Gad, to go talk to him. And they talked in a very interesting way. Gave him a little parable about a man having a little sheep, a little ewe lamb, and that's all that he had. And then there's another man that has some guests coming and he doesn't have anything. So he goes and steals the little ewe lamb, which he, he treats the little ewe lamb like his child. And he steals him and kills him and feeds him. And David, oh, David gets so upset. Who would do such a thing? That person should be put to death. And God says, that person is you for what you have done. Oh, David's heart. He didn't see before. Why didn't, he, why didn't he feel bad before? Why didn't he see? I don't know. He had this kind of lapse. But he wasn't perfect, just like us. But as soon as he realized what he had done, he repented. And one of the most wonderful psalms is Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We don't, we don't have the time to read it now. In Psalm 51, you see real repentance. Real repentance. God honors repentance. Confession. God does not expect you to be perfect. But God does expect you to confess your sins. Confess your sins. Actually, 
by confessing your sins in the proper way, you really can grow in the Lord and know the Lord's heart much more than you did before. And not only so, you can learn yourself. You can know yourself more than you did before. Young people, I hope all of you would grow up in a way that God would testify of you. This is a person according to my heart who will do all my will and that you served your generation according to the counsel of God. You know, we we believe with all the signs around us and the way we understand the Bible that the Lord's coming is very soon. And it could be that you have the opportunity to serve your generation in a certain way. You have the possibility of serving your generation to be the generation that brings the Lord back. That would be a great service to this generation. You know, this generation's a mess. This generation's a mess. This is considered the strongest country in the whole earth. But this country's a mess, morally. The way to serve this generation is to bring the Lord back. Oh, that you all could be those who partake in the church life to bring the Lord back. But just be careful of these warnings. The good and the bad of David, take it all. The good of how he talked to God, his relationship with God, his honesty with God, all of that. But then also be warned. Pay attention to authority. Pay attention to your conscience. And flee all the temptations. That the Lord could preserve you to be a person that that pleases him. Let's take a a minute or two for some prayers. How about we just have some open prayers together? And let's do like this. Just pray one sentence. Okay, one sentence, nice and simple, one sentence. And then somebody else can follow one sentence, somebody else can follow. We pray a kind of corporate prayer. Then we have about 10 minutes if you, anyone would like to share. But I think we're restricted to the young people. Can we say 20 and under? Sure. Yeah, 20 and under? Yeah, any 20 and under, feel free to say, to share something. Let's pray, though. Let's pray together. But we call the Lord's name and then have a prayer. Amen.